Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Comic Book Book Club. My name is Matt Lasik. I'm your host. I'm your co-host, Kendra Forte. And uh, we're just we're just kind of chilling today. This is another, um, I guess we can call them off-week episodes, so we're not covering a specific story. Um, but we've got some news headlines, because those are always fun to cover. And this time we have more than we did two weeks ago. <laughs> this so time not... we prepared. Last time we just kind of winged it to see what would happen. And what happened was bad. It was bad. <laughs> you can free, feel free to skip episode six. It's not great. What I want to talk about first is, um, uh, for those of you who aren't gamers, uh, TM, registered trademark, uh, <laughs> uh, the PlayStation 5 is releasing this week, uh, and with it as a launch title is Spider-Man colon Miles Morales. The, uh, it's not really a full sequel, it's kind of like Spider-Man number 1.5 almost. Um, okay, Spider-Man one and a half, cool. Yeah. Uh, but it, it is the, uh, I'll just call it a follow-up to uh, 2018's Spider-Man on the PS4, which is one of my favorite games in existence. <laughs> um, it actually came out on my birthday in 2018. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so I just spent that day playing that game. <laughs> um, I have already, I, I put my pre-order in a long while ago, knowing full well that I will not be able to afford a PS5 for a very long time. Um but I'll have the game. <laughs> It'd be like that. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to talking about uh, video games that adapt comic book characters, uh, a very overused phrase is, this game makes you feel like, and then you just put in the name of the character. Um, but like truly and unironically, uh, Insomniac's Spider-Man games really do make you feel like you're Spider-Man. The, the the swing mechanics as you're like web swinging through the city and stuff, um, all the little like web-based gadgets you can use, the, the, the character work, all just fantastic, fantastic game. Um, a weird thing though, uh, so uh, with the release of Spider-Man Miles Morales, they're also releasing a remastered version of the first game for PS5. Um, so just like updated graphics, whatever, a couple new cosmetic items. And they also fully remodeled uh, Peter Parker's face in the remaster. I saw that it looks like young Nathan Drake from Uncharted 4. Yeah, remastered Peter looks like a baby compared to original Peter. I don't even know why they did it. Like, I had no complaints. I didn't know of anyone that had complaints. They just, they, for whatever reason, they just went through the effort of getting like a new face actor, face tracking all of his lines, doing all the modeling and animation. It, what to make him look younger? I don't. Under, I I do not understand, dear listeners, why they remade his face in the remaster. It it is beyond me. <laughs> um, but rest assured, whenever in that far flung future when I can buy a PS Five, uh, I will be a hundred percent completing both the remaster and the sequel. I'm looking forward to it. I have not even one percented the the first game. I swung headfirst into some buildings <laughs> and said, you know what? This was a good day and turned the, the PS4 off. That's fair. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, moving on. Uh, th this is a, a big headline that came out uh, over the past couple of weeks, and that is that uh, uh, comic book 
author veteran Grant Morrison comes out as non-binary. What word were you about to say? I don't know. Sometimes my brain don't do words good. (laughs) But the Grant Morrison has come out as non-binary. I did it again. I think I think my brain is trying to say (laughs) non-binary. Grant Morrison has come out as non-binary, and I want to take this opportunity to both. Uh, congratulate them because that you know takes a lot of courage and to sort of talk about their work for a little bit Uh, because I have some opinions on Grant Morrison Um, currently uh, they are working on a uh, Green Lantern series that honest to God makes no sense like even I as someone who has a near encyclopedic knowledge of comic books I read it and I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> oh, no. Grant Morrison. Something about, like, space vampires and and timelines and, like, evil versions of characters. But, like, that stuff is fairly common in comic books. But, like, something about the way that he writes them makes them, like, even more insane. Um, Grant has, in the past, worked on... Uh, Batman comics. Um, they wrote the uh, series Batman and Robin, and then Batman Incorporated. Um, was that good at least? Yes, that was that was pretty good. That uh, Grant wrote the era where um, Bruce Wayne was thought to be dead, and uh, Dick Grayson had taken over. Okay, cool. Uh, as Batman. Um, so, if you want to hear more about that, uh, check out our episode where we talk about the Robins. Um, so, so he was sort of responsible for the first major character development for Damian Wayne, because um, this was the era when he was Robin, um, and then when uh, when um, Bruce came back from not really being dead, uh, Grant started writing a title called Batman Incorporated, which is sort of like Batman using his money to uh, uh, pay for and endorse uh, other Batman-like vigilantes around the world. Oh. Um, and that series carried over into New 52 and ran for a couple of issues. Uh, what else? Grant also wrote uh, the very, very good All-Star Superman, uh, which we might cover soon in the future on this show. I liked All-Star Superman. Yeah, I, I, I'll I come back to it every once in a while because it's, it's a great read. Um, they turned it into an animated movie. Uh, but the, the one similarity between all of these series that he writes, that they, pardon me, write on, is um, they have a habit of introducing characters or concepts or topics and then just, like, not explaining them, which uh, is a bit of a problem already in in uh, comics in general because they'll bring in, like, old stuff that's already been established and they don't re-explain it, just talking about writers in general. Um, but Morrison specifically will bring in new things and not explain them at all. Here's a new thing. It's up to you to figure out what is happening. Yeah, you got to be really good at like figuring out context clues and like reading into the dialogue to like figure out what's up with these people. <laughs> yeah, but um, All Star Superman uh, cover is a uh, limited series uh, that takes place in an alternate timeline um, and covers like how it's it's a kind of a what if of like. If Superman was dying, what would, what would he do with his last couple of months? Uh, it's very sweet, very heartfelt, very good story. We will cover it probably soon. Nice. Um, so that is, uh, I believe, all I have to say on Grant Morrison for the time being. 
there's uh, an interview with, uh, uh, hold on, my brain just broke. I uh, There's an interview with Mondo2000.com uh, where Morrison, you know, talks about their experience being a child and how uh, their identity sort of uh, affected um, their work and so on and so forth. Um, so uh, if you want to, you can go and check out that for the sort of the news from the source. <clears throat> um, Morrison is also currently working on uh, volume three of Wonder Woman Earth One. Uh, Earth One being a uh, subset of the DC Comics. It's another alternate timeline thing where it's sort of like uh, exploring revamped versions of uh, superheroes in like their younger years. So sort of like what New 52 did, but uh, with even more changes um, and a bit more of a twist. So uh, those are also pretty good comics. Uh, next headline, uh, X-Men, the animated series showrunner, shares concerns about mutants joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Are they supposed to be joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Everyone's assuming so. Nothing official has come out of it, but D uh, Disney went uh, through a long and expensive process to acquire 20th Century Fox and therefore all of the X-Men rights. Um, so fans are assuming that at some point we will see mutants in the MCU. Is there nothing else that 20th Century Fox owns that Disney might want? Um, or are we just assuming that... Fantastic Four and like their associated characters were also owned by 20th Century Fox. So again, the assumption is that at some point they'll join the MCU. Um, but again, like nothing official has been said about it. Um, X-Men the Animated Series was a very successful animated series, obviously, in the 90s. That, uh, it, it went a long way to... Uh, popularize the x-men even further than they already were uh popular <clears throat> uh, so let's see what this showrunner has to say uh, his name is eric Lee lewald something like that <laughs> he says i don't know how kevin feige kevin feige being one of the uh main creative producer people at marvel studios okay sleeps at night trying to keep all these balls in the air but for the X-Men, when people ask me about integrating them into the MCU, I always had the reverse problem. There were too many X-Men and too many villains already in the X-Universe and too many connected characters. I find myself cutting half of them out and having stories about three of the X-Men, just to keep sane and to not have to try to service all of them at once in an episode. So the idea of all the X-Men and all their villains and all of their support crew then interacting with all of the Avengers and all of Thor's and all, it's just crazy making to me. I don't even want to try to go there. Uh, so that is an excellent point. Um, that is a lot of characters and a lot of connected villains. Yes. And a lot of backstories. Um, I may have said this on the show before, but the X-Men comics are basically their own sub-universe within the Marvel Universe. Um, from the beginning, uh, X-Men has always been unique in that it is an ensemble series. And while there are similar ensemble series, uh, like the, uh, the Avengers, for example, the Avengers still, like each of the members have their own solo stories and solo titles, whereas the X-Men uh, boat is trying to stay afloat with all of the characters in one title. Um, now, obviously, over the years, that uh, there have been spinoffs and other ongoings that occasionally do micro-focus on one or a couple characters, but... Isn't Wolverine an X-Men? Mm-hmm. 
Wolverine's the most famous example of an X-Man that got so popular, he became his own thing outside of the X-Men umbrella. So he's had numerous ongoings, and he's been in the Avengers a couple of times. Um, but for, for the most part, the X-Men tend to stay in their own little mutant bubble of series. I have a question. Is Scarlet Witch and her brother still in the X-Men, even though they're in the MCU now? <sighs> okay, so the deal with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver is very muddy, both like both legally in real life and uh, in the comics. Um, currently in the MCU, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver are technically not mutants. Um. In the comics, it has changed multiple times. So in their first appearance, they were uh, members of Magneto's Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And then eventually the big twist was that they were Magneto's children. And then they became good guys and uh, joined the Avengers for a while. And then there were like other twists of like, oh, maybe they're not even Magneto's children. And then I think the most recent twist is that like they're not actually mutants at all. <laughs> um you know what? I was going to talk about this on this episode anyway. Now I think is a good time to get into more of the uh, required background for next week's reading of Vision. Uh, because Scarlet Witch is, uh, has been one of Vision's longtime love interests, and she plays a pretty important role in the comic that we're going to be reading. So let's chat about Scarlet Witch for a bit. Uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, also known as Wanda Maximoff, is a very powerful mutant with the mutant ability to manipulate reality, and she also has uh, extensive magical training. Sure. <laughs> so she's she's got the double billing of mutant, very powerful mutant powers and very powerful witch powers, um, and she's also occasionally mentally unstable. So that's not fun. <laughs> um, there have been multiple multiple uh, Marvel events that have spun out of. Scarlet Witch kind of going crazy and messing with reality a bit. Uh, so she was uh, raised in a town, uh, I think near or on a uh, location named Wondagore Mountain, which is uh, sort of a hot spot for like magical activity. Um, it was also the home to a, it was also the home to a villain called the High Evolutionary, uh, whose MO is uh like a hyper focus on evolution um so he, he would like take animals and like hyper evolve them into animal people so like one of scarlet witch's uh nursemaids as a young baby was a cow woman okay yeah um so i think the most recent twist involving her and quicksilver is that like they're not actually mutants they're just normal humans that were super evolved by high evolutionary but like that's constantly up for debate and up to like a writer coming along to be like, I don't like that. I'm going to change it back to mutants at, le at like at literally any moment that could happen. <laughs> is or is not Quicksilver dead? In the comics, Quicksilver is alive. Okay. That's nice. Yes. Cause they killed him almost immediately in the movie. Yeah. Also dumb scene. Like in that same movie, he, he was shown to be able to move fast enough to like catch bullets or at the very least, move Hawkeye and the child out of the way of the path of bullets. He didn't have to, he didn't have to just stop in their path and be like, yeah, this will work. This is a good place to rest. <laughs> this is a good idea. Good job. Quicksilver. You, Quicksilver, you had a good idea. Um, yes. So, uh, 
continuing, since we'll just we'll just continue to talk about uh, Vision. Uh, we briefly talked about him last week, uh, but we'll in case you decided to skip that episode for whatever reason, maybe you don't care about a Hellboy. We will rehash. So. Uh, in the early days of the Avengers, one of the founding members was uh, Hank Pym, a.k.a. Ant-Man, a.k.a. Giant-Man, a.k.a. Goliath, a.k.a. Yellow Jacket, a.k.a. The Wasp. Um, he was also the Wasp? Yes. For a short period of time, Janet Van Dyne was dead, and in her honor, he took on the name of the Wasp. Uh, but then he brought her back from the dead and stopped being the Wasp. Not important. Hank Pym has like 20 billion code names because he has mental issues. Uh, but we'll continue on issues. Yeah. <laughs> so Hank Pym builds a robot assistant named Ultron and he bases its AI off of his own brain patterns. Um, Ultron goes evil. Of course it does. And continues to fight the Avengers for a while. Uh, in one fight he builds, uh, so the robot builds another robot, um, or more specifically a synthesoid. Uh, so he, it, it's, it's a super intricate robot that's built to uh, resemble human beings as closely as possible, including the capacity for emotion. Um, uh, and Ultron bases this synthesoid's AI off of the brain patterns of another villain-turned-hero known as Wonder Man. Uh, Who was Wonder Man? Wonder Man, uh, he first appeared in, like, Avengers number 9 or 10, I think. And he was, like, some actor that got into hot legal trouble, so, like some other villain came over and was like, hey, I'll get you out of legal trouble if you let me inject you with superpower juice. And he was like, sure. Um, so the the other villain turned, uh, Simon Williams is his name, into Wonder Man. He was like, okay, cool. Now go uh, infiltrate the Avengers and then turn against them and uh, be evil with me. He's like, okay. So then Wonder Man joined the Avengers, turned evil, and was like, actually, I like being good, and then turned back to being good. Um uh, so long story short, Wonder Man is a, a hero who started out as a villain, but like betrayed the villains to join the Avengers. Um, unsurprisingly, this robot, which was named Vision, who was based off, whose brain is based off of Wonder Man's brain, betrayed Ultron and joined the Avengers, which honestly, that's on Ultron. <laughs> is there a reason it's based off Wonder Man? Because that seems like such a random choice. Uh such an obscure person. I don't remember. There's this whole thing. Uh, it, it's consistent that like these types of this specific subset of like AIs within the Marvel universe, like to have the capacity for uh, human-like emotion, their brain patterns have to be based off of an actual human's brain patterns or something. Mm-hmm. Um, that part makes sense. Yeah, but why thinks- Wonder Man? Ah, Wonder Man. It might have been because Wonder Man was considered dead at the time. Um, And? I don't know. I don't remember. It's a weird issue to read anyways. Because Wasp is like very much a damsel in distress and it's kind of uncomfortable. So I don't like revisiting the first appearance of Vision. Um, Where was I? Right. It's also important to mention um, that Wonder Man has a brother who is the villain known as Grim Reaper. He appears in the Vision series, which is why I am mentioning him. You do not need to know anything about him other than he is a villain and he is Wonder Man's brother. Um, Right. So, uh, Vision joins the Avengers, hangs out with them for a while, eventually falls in love with Scarlet Witch. Um, A thing that writers love doing with Vision is taking his emotions away just because that makes people feel hurt i guess um so that happens a couple times which obviously puts a strain on their relationship um 
there's there's one bit in the comics, and this is going to get weird, so bear with me. Um, Wanda uses her magic slash reality powers to create a pair of twins for herself. Um, like that are technically the children of her envision. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Except that she kind of goes crazy a little bit because of it. Um, and at one point the, the, the kids souls are stolen by a villain named master pandemonium. Um, so that's fun. So those kids technically die. Um, but then they're, their souls get transferred to a different pair of kids um, who th- those two kids do become heroes of their own right, but they're, t- they're not Screw like... Screw those kids and their souls. <laughs> We're just going to put new souls in them. I don't know. Magic's weird. Um, they became the heroes of uh, uh, Wiccan and Speed, who are uh, featured in the Young Avengers series, which we'll probably cover at some point in the Aww, future. Oh, which is like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. Exactly. Yeah. So their their powers power set um, pretty closely resembles Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, um, which is part of the whole like, oh wait, maybe we're like, maybe we're like Scarlet Witch's kids, but like reincarnated. Um, we'll we'll, co- we'll we'll talk about that more further down the line uh, when we actually talk about Young Avengers, which I do want to do because I really like th- that series. Uh, right. So obviously this puts mental strain on Wanda. Um, at one point, uh, in terms of when this comic is published recently in the timeline at this point where we're reading, uh, Wanda uh, broke up with Vision and is now with Wonder Man, which is kind I of thought funny. Wonder Man was dead. He was thought dead for a while, but then he just kind of popped up and was like, hey, turns out I can't die. There is absolutely no point in leaving Vision for Wonder Man if their brain patterns are the same. Well, it could also be said that Wonder Man's more authentic. <laughs> also, there's less of a chance of Wonder Man deciding, I don't want my emotions today, and just turning them off, which is a thing Vision does very often, <laughs> which like makes for a very unstable relationship. Wanda wishes she could. <sighs> uh, I believe that is all of the backstory. The... The main conceit of this series that we will be discussing next week is that Vision has built himself a family of uh, synthesoids similar to him. Uh, he's built himself a wife and two kids. Um, so the series is those hijinks. Uh, he moves I, fast. He says, I got dumped. I'm going to build <laughs> myself a wife. Yeah, I don't remember. They like show they show flashbacks of Wanda with Wonder Man, but I don't remember like exactly how far back it is down the timeline. So it's probably not like immediate. <laughs> the next day. Yeah. Um, I believe that is all of the vision backstory uh, that needs to be covered to uh, enjoy this series. Um, there's I'm a glad li- you told me all of that before I read any of vision. Yeah. There is a lot to talk about regarding Scarlet Witch. Um, Like I mentioned earlier, there was multiple times where she kind of goes insane and like changes reality permanently. She caused the uh, dissolving of the Avengers a couple of times. Just, you know, just witch things. (laughs) Hashtag just witch things. Uh, Moving on. Let's pull up our next headline. Um, I've got a listicle here uh, from our good friend CBR. Not actually friends. We have ha- never had any contact with them. I just like reading their headlines and sometimes complaining about them because sometimes their articles are bad. 
Um, I thought this would be a nice kind of bookend to our ongoing discussion of the New 52. Uh, this is <clears throat> New 52, every member of the Bat family and how they changed after Flashpoint. And Flashpoint is after New 52, yeah? No. Flashpoint, Flashpoint is... is the event that bridged the gap between pre-Flashpoint and New 52. So, like, post-Infinite Crisis. So, Flashpoint is old 52. No, Flashpoint is its own timeline. Of course. Continue. Just a, a brief recap about how Flashpoint happened. So, Infinite Crisis split the one unified timeline into 52 new timelines. Yes. Which is not the new 52. The 52 new timelines are not the new 52. Correct. Those are the old 52. Sure. You will never see old 52 anywhere, but for the sake of clarity, we will use that. We'll, we'll just use that. Um, when Flashpoint happened, which has its own timeline of events, that uh, ended the old 52. Uh, and then after Flashpoint, the Flashpoint event ended, that started New 52. And New 52 was uh, a reboot. It varied from being a soft reboot to a hard reboot, depending on like the character. But it basically uh, sets all of the characters' personal timelines back to being that to all of them being about five years into their heroic careers, um, and that obviously that changed a lot of characters. Um, so number ten, Batman. Uh, nothing really changed for Batman. Um, like his backstory, his characterization, it basically stayed the same. Um, as previously discussed in a previous episode, he still had all of his Robins, even though he's only been Batman for five years. He just turns through kids. Um, number nine, Nightwing. Uh, the, the major change for Nightwing is that he, uh, sort of lost, uh, the Teen Titans. Um, cause that is a big part of his personal story is that he is one of the founding members of the Teen Titans. And in the new 52, um, Tim Drake, the third Robin founds it. Uh, yeah. Cause he couldn't have been Robin for long. Yeah. He was Robin for a year and then got kicked out. Assumingly, yeah. Um, other than that, Nightwing's, like, his backstory basically stays the same. He just kind of loses, he loses access to the Teen Titans, which in turn, uh, he loses kind of a connection to the the wider, like, uh, interpersonal web of superheroes. Because Nightwing's sort of, pre-Flashpoint, he sort of operated as, like, the, the consistent heart of um, the DC Universe. Because basically every every hero had either worked with him at some point or been on the Teen Titans at some point or like had some sort of major interaction with, with him at some point. Um, and he lost all of that in New 52 because they slaughtered him. <laughs> New 52 slaughtered him. Um, number eight, Tim Drake. Uh, this is uh, So just the opposite of Nightwing. He gains the Teen Titans. Yeah, so... Uh, the sort of the the big difference for Tim Drake and New Fifty Two is that um, uh, pre Flashpoint, when Tim Drake took on the role of Robin, uh, it was sort of to uh, replace the role of Jason Todd after Jason had died, because um, you kind of saw that Batman like needed a like he like needed a Robin so that he wouldn't start murdering people basically. Um, but in the New Fifty Two. Um, Tim Drake was like, no, I'm not going to be Robin. I'm going to be something different because I respect Jason Todd's memory. I'm going to be Red Robin, which is functionally the same. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's like hmm what's a good metaphor for this that's still respectful it's like if someone was like i'm going to be the new mr rogers but instead i'm going to name myself mr red rogers but everything else will be the exact same <laughs> um in the new 52 uh the most we see of tim drake is in teen titans where he sort of uh creates the team instead of uh, Dick Grayson doing so. Um, in fact, at the beginning of the new 52, uh, Tim and Batman were almost like hostile towards each other. Like they weren't really working together. Tim was off doing his own thing with the Teen Titans. Is Jason Todd dead at the beginning of new 52? That's where we're going to get to. Um, Jason Todd's story is very, very different. So pre flashpoint, um, he operated as Robin and then, uh, the, Readers voted to kill him. <laughs> um, and then uh, during Infinite Crisis, when an evil version of Superboy punched history, uh, sort of a ripple effect of that was Jason Todd coming back from the grave. And he sort of operated as a villain slash uh, very violent anti-hero for a while. Uh, just kind of just be a thorn in Batman's side. But when New 52 came around, uh, his story changed uh Basically everything from like him becoming Robin to him dying was the same, but instead of um, an alternate Superboy punching history, instead he was put into a Lazarus pit, which revives people from the dead, and then sent to like some weird mystic other dimension where he like trained to fight demons and stuff. Um, and he's basically just a hero. Like in New Fifty Two, he's just like like he's just a hero. Like most, a lot of his sort of anti-hero slash villainous nuance is gone. But he fights demon now. He fights demons now, so that's a thing. Um, I will say, over time, as his character developed, um, I really like uh, New Fifty Two Jason Todd more than pre Flashpoint Jason Todd. Did but, anyone like Flashpoint Jason Todd? Yeah, actually, uh, he had except a, for uh, everyone who voted to kill him. <laughs> After his resurrection, he had a pretty big following, which I think okay. is why they chose to uh, give him much more of a spotlight in New 52. Um, but during the first couple of New 52 stories, I didn't really like him. But I think he really found it, found a stride and is now uh, a big fan favorite. Um, number six, Barbara Gordon. This this was a, a very big change. So Barbara Gordon's uh, storyline is that she was Batgirl, and then uh, Joker shot her in the spine, paralyzing her, putting her in a wheelchair, and she became uh, Oracle, who was sort of like a computer whiz, voice in the ear type of thing. Um, uh, and the, the the really big change in the New 52 was that they uh, put her back in the Batgirl outfit. Like, they still had the whole story of, like, her being shot and being in a wheelchair, but they were like, then she got a chip in her spine and went through therapy, and now she can walk again. Um so she, yeah, she she became Batgirl again, and there's a lot of good stories uh, written between now and New Fifty Two. I say now because very recently she has uh, retaken the uh, Oracle position, not in a wheelchair anymore, but uh, she has sort she of was just done being Batgirl. Yeah, it, the the final issue of the most recent run of Batgirl is not a great read it's very like heavy-handed social issuey and while i think that comic books are a great avenue to talk about social issues i i, I think this issue of batgirl was done poorly um but it sort of uh, explained how batgirl's uh uh building uh resentment towards the various unsolved issues in gotham city led her to uh 
decide that you'd be more effective as Oracle than as Batgirl. Um, so yeah, that, that I, I remember that being a little bit of a big stink when New 52 was like, hey, Barbara's Batgirl again. And everyone's like, how? <laughs> um, number five, Damian Wayne. Basically unchanged. <laughs> to be fair, Damian was a, a, a pretty new character when Flashpoint came around, so there wasn't much to change anyways. Um, Any news on Damien? Is he still off walking in the sunset? Uh, there, I think there have been some solicitations that show his return, not as Robin as something else. But as I've said a couple multiple times, I don't like reading solicitations because I think that kind of spoils the stories for me. Um, but he is to return at some point soon, just not as Robin. Um, number four, Alfred Pennyworth. Uh, his recent history stayed much the same in that he was a parental figure to Bruce after his parents died and that he kind of works out of the Bat Cave as support for the Bat family. The, the, the biggest change in New 52 was what he did before becoming a butler in that uh, they made him a British secret agent. <laughs> Kendra's yeah. shrugging. Okay. Yep. New 52 made uh, Alfred Pennyworth a secret agent for reasons. So that was fun. <laughs> Number three, Catwoman. Um, the, the, pretty much everything about her backstory was the same. The big change is that New 52 basically made her a hero. <laughs> or like, okay. at the very least an anti-hero. She, she still like stole things, but it was always like more of like a Robin Hood type of thing. Um, Number two, Batwoman. Um, I honestly and don't... this is different from Batgirl? Yes. I don't know Batwoman very much, and a lot of the times I personally don't like her stories, um, but she is one of the most prominent LGBTQ characters, which is why I feel hesitant in insulting her or her stories because we don't get many of those in comic books so we kind of got to deal with the ones we got <laughs> um but uh batwoman is named uh kate kane and she is bruce's distant cousin uh and she had a uh, military training as a girl her father is like some high-ranking military operative so she's very militant uh, and she works as Batwoman. Um, she's sort of, uh, she's basically Batman, but a lesbian and also willing to kill sometimes. <laughs> How did that family gathering go? Hello, distant cousin. I am Batman. Well, I think it's the, it, I think it was the type of thing where like Batwoman popped up and Batman was like, who is that working in my city? And then later it was like, oh, you're my cousin, huh? <laughs> That's such a coinkydink. Yeah. Comics have a lot of those. It, I don't know. It's weird. Um, Batwoman's definitely like an interesting character. I just don't think anything has been, anything interesting has been done with her recently. Uh, number one. Batwing. Uh, Batwing is... Um, there have been two Batwings, one of which... Uh, I, I believe Batwing was a... Uh, either was new for the new... Like, was it just a new character for New 52? Or was introduced very, very shortly before Flashpoint. So, like, there again, like Damien, there wasn't anything to change, really. Um, but the original... So, so, Batwing is basically Batman meets Iron Man. Uh, the Batwing is like a robot suit that the user puts on 
and then they're Batman, but with Iron Man powers. <laughs> okay. Um, sort of the, honestly, probably the least notable member of the Bat family. Um, but the, uh, the, the notable thing about them is that both Bat wings have been uh, black men. Uh, so the first one was David Zavimbe, uh, who was the Batman of Africa in Batman Incorporated. Um, a short time into New 52, David retired, and Luke Fox, son of Lucius Fox, uh, took his place as Batwing. Um, he, uh, Luke was last active as Batwing in, like, 2017, I think, but hasn't really... Luke Fox, the character, has been seen, but Batwing hasn't, recently. Do you think Batwing will come back now that Lucius Fox has all of Batman's money? Um, it definitely increases the chance of him making a reappearance. Nothing's really been hinted at that would suggest that he would come back, but it, it definitely, like, the fact that um, Luke now has even more access to money and technology, definitely, like, it, we, we could see a return of Batwing in Gotham City in the near future. Water break. Next headline, also from CBR. Deathstroke's kids prove why he's the DC Universe's worst dad. Who is Deathstroke? Deathstroke the Terminator, a.k.a. Slade Wilson, uh, is a uh, sort of... He, I'd say he's the he's the DC Universe's most notable mercenary. Um, uh, he was very much popularized by the early 2000s Teen Titans TV show, where he was the main villain. Um, he appeared in a cameo in Batman v Superman, or was it Justice League? I don't remember. Um, but he's got sort of like a chainmail outfit and like his color motif is all like orange and black and he's missing an eye. So like only half of his mask has an eye hole on it. Um, if this article had a picture, I'm sure you would recognize him. Anyways, um, Deathstroke has had a lot of kids and almost all of them are very messed up <laughs> because your father is like a super assassin. Uh... So first, I'm going to pull up a picture of Deathstroke so that Kendra can maybe recognize him. Yes, question mark. I think from the Teen Titans show. Yeah, this this is how he appeared in Teen Titans Go. Didn't watch Teen Titans Go. Didn't That's watch fair. Teen Titans, like the original. Yeah, the better one. The better one. <laughs> oh boy, I hope I don't get comments for that. Um, and in that one, I thought... They call him Slade, probably because they didn't want to use the word death on screen. This is how he looked like in Teen Titans. Yes, that is the that is the Slade that I remember. Yeah. So that's his first name, which... Uh, once I, once I like, started reading comics and I was like, oh, by Slade, they mean Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke the Terminator. That was always a weird choice. Like, it's like... <laughs> it's not like if you're if you're if your main villain in your action in your action cartoon they just called him like William. <laughs> like they just call him this dude by his first name. Like I know you ain't on first name basis with him. <laughs> I mean, Slade is a pretty good. First it's a name. good name. It's not even like it, it. It doesn't even like suggest that it's a first name. You know, like you wouldn't even know that that's like his name unless you. It's not like his name is Willie. <laughs> yeah. Um, also notable, uh, Deadpool, a.k.a. Wade Wilson. That's where I was confused. He is a direct parody of Deathstroke. Um, obviously he became his own character. So Deathstroke came out in the 60s, 
seventies, I think. Like his character oh, first appeared in the seventies. Because Slade is DC. Yes. And Deadpool is Marvel. Yes. Okay, that makes more sense. To make it even worse, in twenty sixteen, in Harley Quinn's solo series, the uh, DC had a parody of Deadpool named Red Tool. So, <laughs> Red Tool parodies Deadpool, who parodies Deathstroke. Uh, because comics. <laughs> um, so yes, Deathstroke's kids. Um, let's see here. First up, we have uh, Joseph Wilson, who is uh, Slade's youngest child, I believe. Um, he, uh, I believe, yes, he operated uh, for a while as the hero Jericho. Um, so he, uh, due to uh, one of Slade, Slade's escapades while uh, Joseph was a child, he, he had like a throat injury, like his throat was slit, so he can't talk. Um, but he does have the power to uh, inhabit other people's bodies if he makes eye contact with them. Um, so he served as a Teen Titan for a while, uh, particularly during the Judas Contract storyline, which is sort of uh, Deathstroke's most known storyline uh, and involves most of his kids. Um, uh, yeah, recently he's just been active in Deathstroke's on own ongoing, which was canceled a little while ago, so we haven't really seen much of him. Um, I'm debating how much I want to get into talking about uh, the Judas contract right now, because we probably will cover that in the future. Um, it's a very, it, it basically put Teen Titans on the map. Um, it, it uh, hmm. why doesn't this article talk about, it, it involves specifically another one of Deathstroke's kids whose name I'm blanking on. Um, uh, this, uh, his older, Grant, that's what it was, Grant Wilson, um, known as Ravager, was Deathstroke's oldest son and was also a mercenary. Uh, and he was hired to uh, kill the Teen Titans, but failed. Deathstroke was like, the Teen Titans killed my kid. So that thing like, went all murder crazy. Uh, and that's the Judas contract. Again, I don't want to get too much into it because kind of, I don't really want to spoil it. Um, Deathstroke's other child uh, is named Rose Wilson, his only daughter. Uh, she was... Uh, she She... Also took on the name Ravager, kind of uh, in honor of Grant. Um, and she was very kill crazy. <laughs> um, How cute. Yeah. Daddy's little girl. Yeah. Um, she also was a Teen Titan for a while after they sort of uh, broke her out of Deathstroke's care. Because uh, he kind of dedicated her whole life to like training her. Uh, to, like, become, you know, another mercenary or whatever. So, um, most notably, there's a, a bit where, like, she cuts out her own eye um, to, like, be like, see, Dad, I'm like you. I'm just like you. I'm just like you, Dad. And Deathstroke was like, ugh. <laughs> um, she also had uh, brief precognitive powers, meaning that she could get, like, brief glimpses into the future. Um, oh, she, uh, again, she hasn't really been seen much of lately. Uh, she she appeared uh, just like uh, Jericho in Deathstroke's recent ongoing. But again, that was canceled a while ago. So uh, she has not really appeared much. She's probably my favorite. Um, she, she was a big member of the Teen Titans in the uh, mid-2000s, uh, uh, like mid to late 2000s. Um, but yeah, I... Uh, I haven't really seen much of her. Uh, huh. 
that actually, uh, I thought I'd have to scrounge for more talking bits, but we've actually, uh, we're doing pretty good on time this week. Let's see what other headlights we got. Headlines. Pardon me. Mm-mm-mm. Um, Marvel's ramping up for its next big, uh, event, which is titled King in Black and, uh, relates to Venom. Um, a couple years ago, Venom had his own little self-contained event where he fought like the God of symbiotes or whatever. Um, so King in Black is, uh, basically detailing that God's arrival on earth and like how all the different heroes on earth are dealing with it, uh, Symbiote and like Venom related stuff is always fun to me, so I, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> what else is going on? Oh, this is a dumb article. This is something that I was talking about. Um, about this is one of the articles that makes me dislike our good friends CBR. Uh, into the Spider Verse theory, Peter B. Parker is Spider Man from the 2003 series. Um, that, of course, referencing the uh, Sam Raimi series. Literally everyone that saw both the Sam Raimi films and the Spider-Verse film knows that that's supposed to be Sam Raimi's Peter Parker CBR. You're not you're not breaking any new ground, buds. I which one is the Sam Raimi ones? Uh so the Sam Raimi ones are the ones that uh feature Toby Maguire. Ah. Um it has like the famous upside down kissing scene. Um, the first one has Norman Osborn as the Green Goblin, or not Norman Osborn's the character. Um, Willem Dafoe is the Green Goblin. Uh, the second one has uh, Dr. Octopus. The third one has like Venom and Sandman and all that. Great series. Very campy. <laughs> the third one is not good. <laughs> but I like watching them. I just think they're fun. Uh, compared to like modern superhero movies, not like not great cinema, but they're fun, campy movies to watch. Not a great uh, movie movie, but <laughs> still. It's, I don't know, that era of... Sam Raimi's Spider-Man was basically genre-defying for the superhero movie. Superhero movies of, like, the late 90s and early 2000s. Like, uh, Fox's X-Men, Hellboy, for instance, like we talked about last week, those all were sort of modeled after how Sam Raimi and Tomi Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire did Spider-Man. Big movie. Big movie. I love I love Willem Dafoe in the first one because he is just absolutely nuts and giving it his all. He is a joy to watch. Uh, uh, let's see. Okay, it's gonna drive me insane. Wasn't Robin briefly a villain in Teen Titans? Yes, there was a storyline where Deathstroke, or pardon me, Slade, was like, you will be my sidekick or I will kill the other Titans. And he was like, okay. Uh, so we operated under the name Red X. That's what it was. Yeah. Great show. I don't have any opinions on the newest live action Titans series because I don't know anything about it. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, I, that's honestly, that's basically all of the um, comic book news <laughs> that's happened in the last couple of weeks. Still, good episode compared to two weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, we have way less dead air than we did two weeks ago. Um, hmm, what else can we talk about for ten minutes? 
That's a great question. <laughs> Ooh, uh, what have I? Did I read anything interesting recently in comics? Oh, talk about. Uh, are we ever gonna do monstrous? Probably. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, the other day, uh, Kendra and I took a fun jaunt into Washington D.C. Uh, and we found ourselves in a little bookstore. Uh, with a small uh, graphic novel section, and we picked up uh, volume one of, uh, I believe, Image Comics is Monstrous. Yes, we picked up volume one of Image is Monstrous, which um, came out a couple years ago and like received so many awards for multiple years in a row. I just kept seeing Monstrous pop up uh, under like award listings for that year, um, but I had never read it, so... We will probably cover that. We'll, yeah, we'll cover that soon. Um, we have a lot. Of, yeah, that, uh, yeah, we'll cover it. We have a lot to cover. <laughs> we have a lot of stories to pick from. We have, yeah, a lot to do in very little time. <laughs> Which is why we spread it out over multiple weeks. Um, the good news is we will never run out of topics to talk about on this podcast. <laughs> That's true. Uh, at least in terms of stories to read. On these episodes, as demonstrated by two weeks ago, we will run out of things to talk about. And it will be cringy. And yeah. You won't listen things. anyway because you love us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the problem with like comic news is that a lot of times the news is just, here's what happened in this week's comics. And that's, to me, that's not interesting to talk about. Unless it's like something majorly like groundbreaking that like changes things, you know? Uh, well, update us anyway, very quickly. <laughs> Uh, who? Now I'm drawing a blank on what... everything you've read. <laughs> I read a lot of things. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man is going through its current um, event. I think I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. They finally revealed what the main bad guy has been for like the past two years. Kendrick. Oh yes. Uh, let's see here. Um, hmm. Marvel has launched, uh, I think it's Marvel. Yes, Marvel has launched a new series based on Ultraman, the uh, Japanese property. Not sure how they managed to get their hands on that uh, property title, but they're writing stuff for him, so that's interesting. <laughs> uh, a new series uh, focusing on U.S. Agent has launched. Who was U.S. Agent? U.S. Agent was a uh, Captain America replacement during the time period where everyone thought Captain America was dead uh, when he was in the ice. Ah, um, so they just said, "Let's try this again." Basically, they did that with a, they did that a couple times, and one of them was you uh, became like after Captain America came back uh, is like U.S. Agent. Um, he's always sort of been like the uh, uh, conservative to Captain America's liberalism, um, which is interesting to write about in these times. Uh, so he's got his new ongoing, which I'm sure will uh, talk about politics in some <laughs> in some sense. Uh, uh, have we talked about Miles Morales as a character on this show? No, I don't think we have. Okay, let's briefly cover that because there's some interesting stuff going on in his ongoing right now. Um, so in the year 2000, Brian Michael Bendis launched a new initiative starting with Ultimate Spider-Man which uh, started a new Marvel timeline where all of the characters were uh, very young. So Peter Parker uh, was still in high school, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
over the course of years, um, I believe in 2015, that Peter Parker uh, was killed. Um, I think we have talked about this in the show anyways, but I'll just keep going. Uh, and um, a young uh, black Hispanic kid from Brooklyn named Miles Morales was bitten by a radioactive spider and became the new Spider-Man in the Ultimate Timeline. Um, maybe it was, no, I think, no, it was earlier than 2015. I'm wrong. <laughs> Whenever it was. Um, in 2015, though, was the Secret Wars event, and one of the large uh, changes post-Secret Wars was that uh, Mar- Miles and all of his associated characters were moved into the prime Marvel timeline. Uh, currently, in his ongoing, um, people from his home timeline have uh, found their way into the prime Marvel timeline, and they're trying to, like, force him and his family to go back to their original timeline. Um, so that's the big fight that's going on there. Uh, it's mainly motivated by the uh, Miles Morales of the prime timeline, who is like a full-grown adult and a crime lord. Uh, had, Whoa. Yeah. Uh, he had found his way into uh, uh, the ultimate timeline and like made a name for himself there. And he was like, I'm going to drag uh, the other Miles back here with me for reasons. Uh, so that's the exciting stuff that's going on with Miles right now. Let's see what else is going on. Uh-huh. Ooh, Thor's having some interesting developments. Um, so in a lot of early Thor comics, he had a secret identity by the name of Donald Blake, who was a uh, human uh, doctor. And the whole thing was like Donald Blake had this uh, cane that he walked with. And if he like slammed the cane into the ground, it would transform into Mjolnir and Donald would turn into Thor. Um, now, uh, Donald has not been seen in decades. And in the most recent issue of Thor, um, Thor's like, I wonder what Donald's up to. So he visits kind of like the uh, uh, secret dimension where Donald goes when he's not there, when he's not like on Earth, uh, only to discover that Donald has gone insane <laughs> from being trapped in this secret dimension for decades. Um, so now Thor's trapped in that dimension and Donald's walking around on Asgard being all murdery and such. <laughs> That's fair. I didn't realize that Donald was a separate person. Yeah, separate character. Yeah. He was created by Odin to be Thor's human counterpart to sort of teach him humility and stuff. But he he was technically, he was magically created, but he was still his own being. He just kind of hung out in like this fake suburban neighborhood dimension while Thor was being Thor. That sucks. Yeah. It was, it was you know, again, magically created to be like idyllic and like peaceful and whatever. But I'm sure being stuck in there for decades will drive anyone insane. Um. So that's fun. Uh, X-Men's in the middle of its big crossover, X of Swords or Cross of Swords. I don't know. Um, we do not have enough time to talk about that. <laughs> uh, huh. Black Widow's in the middle of her new ongoing. Very interesting stuff going on in there. Basically, like someone has uh, brainwashed her into thinking she's some like architect that lives in California with her husband and baby. And like she's like slowly reawakening and rediscovering her Black Widow skills. Uh, so it's a fun ride. Uh, the most recent issue has one of the villains that did this to her sort of growing impatient, like moving in for the kill. And she's like doing all this ninja stuff. And they'd be like, but I'm just an architect. <laughs> uh, 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 that's all the Marvel stuff that's going on. Uh, what happened recently in DC? Um, 
they're still doing their uh, Dark Knight's death metal thing, which I've talked about uh, extensively. Pardon me, which I've talked about extensively in previous episodes. Um, they're also doing their zombie story, Deceased, uh, which is a, a fun read. Um, oh, that's right. Young Justice just ended, which I'm not super happy about. Uh, Young Justice was sort of the 90s version of Teen Titans. Um, it was formed by Tim Drake as Robin, uh, Superboy, and uh, Impulse, who was uh, the Flash's kind of kid counterpart in the 90s. Um, it was basically just another incarnation of Teen Titans, but like 90s of five. Uh, still a great read. Um, they adapted it into a TV show, which I think just got confirmed for its fourth season. So that's doing oh, great. Oh, good for them. Yeah. And uh, last year, uh, Brian Michael Bendis, when he came to DC, uh, he relaunched the series, um, and it just ended with his 20th issue. <clears throat> what else happened this week in comics? Or I guess last week in comics, technically, since this week will be tomorrow and Wednesday. Uh, um, hmm. Not... Much. At I mean, least... we only got two minutes left. Yeah, so we'll just do closing stuff now. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Um, if you have literally anything you want to say to us, suggestions, questions, comments, literally, literally anything, you can reach us on Twitter at CBBCPod. That's at CBBCPod. Or you can email us at CBBCPod at gmail.com. Uh, until next week, Excelsior. <laughs>